I want to go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. I'm going there. I almost had to change my sermon today after I heard how the ladies were acting up yesterday. And <laughs> I heard they were ganging up and teaming up against me. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of rebellion going on, sound like. <laughs> Coming from the instigator, the one that started the whole thing. <laughs> Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> I'll try not to be too long today. But I just have something that the Lord has put on my heart and I want to give it to you. And I just pray that it will bless you and give you encouragement and guidance. Matthew chapter 5, everyone there? And it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And Lord, I ask that you will give me something today to give your people. Lord, I just ask that it will be a word that holds with them, keeps with them throughout the week and encourages and guides them. And Lord, I just ask your anointing to be upon it. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And I was just thinking, uh, I heard a message on this a while back, and the guy said that the passage started out easy and got harder as it went along. And I thought, I'm not sure I agree with that, because I'm not really good at the early ones or the, the later ones. You know, I, can, I can't say as I've nailed any of the, the spiritual disciplines that, uh, that I should have uh, because I'm just as human as everybody else is. And so when I, I think about what's harder, facing persecution or, or trying to be lowly in spirit or, or trying to be, uh, trying to, to, to mourn properly with the Lord or, or to be meek or am I good at any of that? I'm not really sure that I am, but this is Jesus' longest sermon that, that is recorded in the Bible. It was just delivered to his disciples. And there's a reason that I think that's important, because it specifically says disciples. Now, is he talking about the twelve? No, no. He's talking about a multitude. There's a multitude of people there that have come to hear Jesus, and that's the key. They have come to hear Jesus. Now, I want you to think about what that must have been like. They didn't have TV. They didn't have the Internet. No iPhones, no Androids, no iPads, nothing like that. Is my mic not working still? Oh, oh he's waving at me. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> and so uh, uh, they didn't have any of that stuff. But all of a sudden... Here comes a man and he's talking things that they'd never heard before. He's speaking in a way that they never understood before. I believe that 
When Jesus spoke, it was not like any other man, not like any other prophet. Nobody else spoke like him. But think of the setting. The people right then were, in a sense, oppressed. They were occupied by the Roman Empire. A very powerful, mighty empire was controlling everything that they did. They didn't have the freedoms that they once enjoyed as, as the Jewish people because they were under control of somebody else. They were occupied by somebody else. They, they were hungry for an answer. They were fearful of where they were going, where their future was. They were dealing with the loss of so many things and a very uncertain future. And so Jesus steps up and he speaks like no other man. And so they go looking for him. They didn't get occupied by an iPad or an internet or any of that. They went looking for the man because they were looking for an answer. This is something interesting. Jesus sat down to preach. Now, everybody knows that. They find that, you know, he preached that way. He must have had quite a voice to sit there and speak to a multitude of people from this mountain, from this hill. But what I found interesting as I looked into this is Jesus sat down, but when rabbi spoke, the speaker sat down and the congregation stood up. They stood the whole time. The reason was they didn't want anybody falling asleep. So that was their tradition. Is they, so you like, guys like that idea? You want to switch to that? No? Nobody wants to do that? I was just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, throwing people are throwing it right back at me. I don't want that one. <laughs> so, so when we look at this message, we can look in the Old Testament. And we can see that the we, we we have what we call the Ten Commandments, and those are a whole list of things that you should not do. But this is a little different. This is a list of things that you should do. This is a, it brings a different twist to it, a kind of a 180 around to where it's no longer about don't do this, don't do that, but do this. And I love the way the Amplified brings it out in verse 3 and it says, Blessed or spiritually prosperous, happy to be admired are the poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven both uh, now and forever. Basically, he's saying that blessed are those who have an impoverished view of their own soul. And what does that mean? That means that we realize that there's no way that we can be good enough to save ourselves. We need Jesus. We have to have Jesus Christ. And I have ran into people right in church who honestly, I believe they thought they were good enough. They thought they had earned it. They were, and they, especially when you're in, in the southern states where church is so, so deep, uh, so much deeper than the West. I mean, people have been uh, in church forever there, and they'll tell you, you know, I'm fourth generation church of God, or I'm, I'm fifth generation Baptist. They don't say that up here because nobody really is. But, <laughs> but, but they, they have an arrogance about it that because my name is on a roll of a church somewhere, I'm good, I'm set. I, man, I'm, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, I don't do it. I'm, I'm on my way to heaven, I'm good enough. God help you. Because God knows where the heart is. And we pick on some of those outward things, but the inward things will kill you just as fast as the outward things will, will kill you. And so we have to realize. Anybody try to get up and just catalog how good they do for the, the day? Don't do that. You don't want to do that. 
You know, just have that list beside you. Every time you had a thought you shouldn't have had, you just write that down. Every time you said something you shouldn't have. So every time somebody pulled out in front of you on the road and things came out that shouldn't have came out, you write that down. Every time your spouse made you mad and you walked away mumbling under your breath, you write that down. Uh, but pretty soon, by the end of the day, you think, wow, I need Jesus. <laughs> I really, really need Jesus because I'm not really good at this thing. I'm not so good at this thing. But God says you are blessed when you realize that you're not good enough to be saved. You're not. I'm not. We're not good enough to be saved. If I, if I was only saved until I messed up, I'd make it about a minute and a half, I think. It just doesn't work that way. And when arrogance, that arrogance, that spiritual pride comes in that says, I have achieved, I have made it, my golly, I am all right. I've, I've heard people tell me they've never sinned, never sinned. I'm like, you just did. <laughs> you got lions of sin. You know where liars go. Congress. So there. <laughs> but... <laughs> You think you haven't lied, <laughs> you haven't sinned, you are, you are sadly mistaken. And it's because of that sin that we can't do this thing alone. We are simply not good enough. We don't have it together, none of us do. And see, this is the problem with spiritual arrogance. Another problem that, that just came to my mind is the, is the idea when I think I've got it together and I present myself that I am I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, as the old saying used to go. We used to hear that in church a lot. I'm saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost. And then I've got it together. What happens to all those people out there who don't have it together? And they're looking and they're saying, I can't do that. I just can't be good enough. I'm just not there. That person is so spiritual. They're so godly. And I heard Paul Washer say this week, he said, there's no such thing as a man of God. There is a man who fumbles and stumbles and falls and fails and sins just like everybody else. He just happens to get up behind the pulpit. That spoke to me. I was like, thank God I'm not the only one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm not the only one. But see, when we get... This idea, when we present ourselves as being so spiritual, so holy, so righteous, what happens to the person out there who's dealing with sin in their heart, who's struggling and battling with an addiction, who's, who's dealing with uh, 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 you know, family issues, whatever it may be, and they, they, their, their mouth says things that they should not say. They have hatred in their heart towards somebody. They're struggling just like all of us struggle. And they look up there and they say, I just can't do it. I can't do this Christian thing. I'm not good enough. We should never present that. We need to present the fact that I, I'm just like you. <laughs> Whatever it is you're dealing with, I'm probably dealing with it more. I am the sinner. Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, this man who, who did all that Paul did, and he was shipwrecked and, and beaten and, and bit by snakes, which in my opinion would be worse than all the rest. Uh, no, don't, I, no, not a snake. But Paul went through all of that. He spent all that time in prison, was stoned multiple times, which also would be high on my list of things I don't want to do. Uh, all that, he went through all of that and he said, but I am the greatest, I'm the chief of all the sinners, the Apostle Paul. Because he had to be able to present himself to the, to the congregation, to the groups and multitudes or whoever, that I am no different than you. I don't care what sin you're in. 
My sin, will, my sin will send me to hell just as fast as your sin. The only difference is the blood of Jesus Christ saves us and keeps us from going there. That's it. It's not because I've achieved. Hallelujah. It's not because I've acquired that I made it in any way. It is because of Jesus Christ and His precious blood that saved me. Putting... <laughs> I don't know. Bring this into perspective. Well, let me go over here to John 15. It says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself without remaining in the vine, neither can you bear fruit producing evidence of your faith unless you remain in me. You cannot produce fruit unless you are in Christ. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. For otherwise, apart from me that is cut off, cut off, from, the, cut off from the vital union with me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. See, you can work, you can flail, you can do whatever you want. But outside of Jesus Christ, it doesn't have any meaning. It, uh, it becomes a, an empty Action. I, I, I thought about when I was a, about seven or eight. We were living in Oregon City, so I was probably seven or eight years old. And my dad was at work, and my stepmom was asleep, which she did most of the time. And uh, I decided I was going to help them. I was going to do something that would make them very, very, very happy. Yeah. When a seven-year-old decides they're going to do something to make mommy and daddy really, really happy, you better go on guard. Something's going to happen. Dad had a massive record uh, collection. And so we had a little turntable. You remember those? The young people are saying, a what? <laughs> a record player. <laughs> and I got in there and I started taking those albums out and I'd look at the cover and I'd say, well, that one looks really pretty. And I'd take that one and put it on the record player. And then I'd find another one and say, well, that one looks really pretty. And I put that, pretty soon that record player was stacked like that high off the table with dad's precious records when my stepmom got up funny she didn't see any of my heart in that at all she was not a happy camper she was very angry because even though i was trying to do something that was going to please them i wasn't doing that in them in their heart in their will the same with God. We can flail, we can work, we can do whatever we want to do, but if it's outside of what God calls us to do, anoints us to do, and wants us to do, we will fail at it because it's outside of Christ. We have... <laughs> I was trying to think of what my daughter was talking about this week on something, and, and uh, uh, she had mentioned that Timothy says something, and somebody had posted under her comment and said, well, Timothy wrote that, not God. First of all, it was written by Paul. Second of all, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Every word of that Bible is written by the inspiration of God. But I find it funny when somebody wants to do what they want to do. Well, let's just not accept that part of the Bible because it was written by a man. <laughs> I don't like that part. Let's throw that part out because I, I know the reason they wrote that during that time was cultural. Or they have a hundred different reasons to get out of it. If you want to please God, you get into the Word of God, you get guided by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, and you please God. That is what's living in Him. And so, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. We don't think we've achieved. We don't think we're the best. We don't think we're on top of this thing. But you know what? 
We can do all things. Philippians 4.13 says, You can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me, right? This is what the Amplified says. Can do all things which he has called me to do. Ah, there's the key again. I can do all things that he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am uh, self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. I love the way the Amplified brings some things out. I can do anything. That, that, that phrase actually in the Greek, first of all, means I can endure anything. And then the secondary meaning is I can achieve anything. And I believe that that fits so well to Christian life because no matter what you're going through, you can do this. Not because you're smart enough, not because you're strong enough, not because you have the answers, but because you're a child of the king who does have the answers, who is smart enough and who is strong enough. Because our strength isn't in our own ability. Our strength is in His ability. We are not strong enough. I think I've expressed a story before. We were at a meeting and I remember um, Leonard Albert. Anybody remember Leonard Albert? Anyone at all? He, was a, he called himself a lay preacher. He, he said he spreached. He didn't, uh, he didn't just preach. He spreached. But uh, he told the story of when he was a kid and they had this trail of woods that they would go through to get to and from school. And he said that the gang of boys started waiting in there and picking on him and, and me, being mean to him and hitting him and things like that. And he went home and told his older brother. He said his older brother was a pretty big boy. And uh, he, the brother said, come on, we're going back through those woods. You're going with me. And he said they started into the woods and he said his brother picked up a big old oak club about three feet long and he set it on his shoulder and he said, he said, Leonard, I want you to grab my belt with both hands and you don't let go of that belt for anything no matter what happens. And he said, we walked right through the middle of those woods and nobody did a thing. You know what? That's what it is. It's not in his strength. He wasn't strong enough. He didn't have the ability. But his brother did. And we have an older brother, folks. And he says, just grab on. Hold on with both hands. Don't give up. Don't let down. Don't, don't turn away. Just hold on no matter what happens. And we will come right on through those woods together. And you will be okay. That's what it is. I am not, I'm not able to do it in myself. But I am ready for whatever is coming. It's not a platitude to say I am ready for anything. Were we ready for COVID? No, I wasn't. <laughs> we, were we ready for the business failures all across the country and the world and the social distancing, which some people really like and some people not so much? Uh, <laughs> were we ready for, for the worldwide state of fear and all that stuff? We weren't ready for the specific incident, but we were ready for anything, not because of who we are, but because God says, no matter what arises, you're here. We didn't see it coming. We didn't know what it would be. But God did know what was there. And he said, kid, just grab my belt. Hold on with both hands and don't let go for anything because we'll come right through this thing together. I'm not going to leave you. See, I think American Christians learned a uh, huge lesson. And I was talking to Donna about this last week, actually. I think in 2016, the election was going to go the other way. I think it was absolutely going to go the other way. But I believe American Christians got scared 
and they hit their knees and they hit their faces on the ground and they start crying out to God until God intervened and the election turned and changed. So what happened this time? This is what I think happened. I think what happened is people quit trusting in God and didn't hit their faces for God and seeking the Lord during this time. They trusted in Trump. That's going to be the Achilles heel every single time. I believe that American Christians, American patriots started, started putting their trust in a man instead of in God. Does that mean that he's abandoned us? No. We're right where we're supposed to be. We're in exactly the situation that, honestly, we deserve to be in as a country. But you know what? God is with us as children of God right now, no matter what happens. It's not, and I've said it a million times, it's not going to be an election that saves a man, saves a country. It's going to be Almighty God that saves the country. And we, as children of God, need to know, grab onto the, the belts, hold on with both hands, don't let go, and don't give up. I can do, and I am equal. I love how it says that. I am equal to anything. Isaiah 40, 29 says, He gives strength to the weary, and to him who has no might, he increases power. When you're tired, when you feel like you can't go on, you're not going to make it, he gives strength. You get the strength. You make it through. Ephesians 6.10 says, In conclusion, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That's, that's powerful right there. That's one of them that, I, I, like I said last, last week, you need to print it out and put it on your mirror. Be strong in the Lord, because no matter what comes against you this week, whether it's a, a, a trouble at work, whether it's trouble at home, whether wherever, whatever it may be, whatever comes against you this week, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, and He will get you through it. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, O oh Lord, I know that the path of life of a man is not in himself. It is not within a man's ability to choose and direct his steps in life. You don't have it. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen today. You don't know what's going to happen five minutes from now. Jay Hughes was making an arrest like he'd done hundreds of times before. It was nothing new, nothing out of the ordinary. And a guy took off and Jay took two steps and God called him home. It happens that quickly. It can take place that quickly. And it's not about, I'm strong enough, my heart, that thing never going to stop on me. Oh, yes, it is. It is. And God is the only answer to living beyond that point. Once that heart stops, you're done unless you know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus, you are born again. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when the, the, the Lord calls you home or the rapture takes place or whatever may take place, God is your answer and He has your soul in His hands. And He says, oh, happy. Blessed is He. Blessed is He that lives that way. You're blessed. Not because... Of your ability because of Him. Nothing is better. I don't know. Does it... When you're in a situation where it's all on your shoulders and you have to work it out, you have to come up with the answers, you have to solve all the problems, that can be pretty trying. But I find it a whole lot easier to know when there's somebody that knows more about the issue than I do and they're handling it. Life is bigger than I can take. 
and there's somebody bigger than me that can handle it. I can't tell you how many times since I've been on the reservation they've asked me to become a sergeant. And I keep going, no. <laughs> the last thing I need is to be responsible for something else. I don't need it. I don't, I don't even want it. Folks, I don't want the responsibility of making my life go right. I don't want the responsibility of making your life go right. I willingly say, God, take it. It's yours. I cannot do this thing. I just can't handle it. And every time I try, I really, really mess up. Even when I think I've got this thing by the tail, it's about the time I hit a wall. Just about the time that I think I have all the answers. And you know, as men, we just are problem solvers. That's what we do. I often say that it seems like all I do as a man is fix things. I get up and I fix things. And then I go to bed. And then I wake up the next day and I fix things. I know Lee can, he can feel that. That's all Lee does. That's his life. He gets up and fixes things, right? That's what we do. And we sometimes are so tempted to try to fix our lives. Good luck with that. It won't work. But God has the answer. And He's strong enough. And He's big enough. And He's smart enough to get you through whatever you're dealing with. Would you stand with me please and let's pray. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Lord, this was a day when we just wanted to praise you. We sang some old songs to you. They were new songs. <laughs> and Lord, we just, we just gave you praise and we just gave you glory because you're worthy of that. Lord, I just pray right now that you will help us to be that poor in spirit, to realize, God, that we without you are seriously nothing. We can't change a thing. We can't affect anything. It is all in you. Lord, I just pray, Father, for every one of these. Lord, everybody here is on a different level in their spiritual life. There are some that are new, some that are old, some that are, uh, I don't know, stronger, some that are weaker. But Lord, I pray for each one of them. And I pray, Lord, that today we will put it all in your hands. Help us, Lord, to just put it all in your hands. For not, we're not good enough. We're not strong enough. And I pray, Lord, that you will teach us what we need to know. Hallelujah. I've done this several times lately, and I just feel led to do it again. I'm just going to ask you straight out. You know, I don't play games with this, and I don't do silly stuff with it. I just ask you straight out if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't, don't leave here without knowing Jesus, please. Don't leave here without knowing Jesus. If you don't know for a fact that you're born again, don't leave here without knowing Jesus Christ. We will pray with you. We will guide you. We will do whatever we can do. I just ask you, anyone here need to know Jesus today? Anyone at all? Don't be shy.